guys welcome to red white and boom rescue the fosters edition i am gino your host and i have my usual co-host with me tonight i have sylvia beachy sylvia how are you i'm good how are you i'm doing fine thank you we were talking before the show that we uh overfed ourselves as usual so <laughs> i might be a little short on breath here so i apologize <laughs> how about you sylvia did you eat too much pizza <laughs> and of course we have kk emmett with us kk how are you i'm doing better can't complain <laughs> and speaking of food kk was eating a bowl of soup before we went live which is kind of her uh it seems like your routine every week <laughs> yeah, yeah and oh man what a great guest we have tonight sylvia has done it again um landed another fantastic guest and i am really looking forward to this show because um if anybody that has followed us for any length of time understands that in the uh, human trafficking element there is a satanic ritualistic abuse aspect to it and i think it's very important that people understand this uh sylvia and i were talking before the show that a lot of people think it's fiction but i think our guest tonight is probably going to prove otherwise uh, so let me get into it here. Uh, tonight's guest is here to tell his story of how a curious kid in any town USA starts dabbling in magic, joins a local satanic coven, coven, I always say coven, coven, gets entrenched in porn, addicted to drugs, a ritualistic abortionist, a Bohemian Groves member, and ultimately becomes part of an elite few called the High Wizards. Zachary King, welcome to Rescue the Fosters. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, so, uh, Zach, it's it's been a long time in the making. We've been waiting. A f I, I was actually, um, I thought you were on last week, so I was all excited last week. So I had to wait an extra week for you to come back, <laughs> even though you didn't know that. Uh, I thought so. But we're very pleased to have you here. And I, I guess I'd like to really start right from the beginning. Um, as a young child, uh, you were abused. You, you grew up in a home. Uh, I believe it was a Baptist uh, family and very strict. And um, actually, I don't want to give it all away, so I'm just going to let you speak from this point forward. Well, you know, I grew up with a burning desire to know if magic was real. Now, that's there's M-A-G-I-C, and that's sleight of hand and illusion. And there's M-A-G-I-C-K. And the magic that ends in K is satanic magic. And I wanted to know if that was real. You know, I saw in movies where people could levitate. And when you're a kid, levitation is flying. And I wanted flying to be real. You know, Superman could fly. If I could fly to school, that would be awesome. And, you know, I was asking, like, my Baptist preacher, is magic real? And my Baptist preacher and my parents both told me that magic was fake. Magic is not something you can do. It's impossible. Uh, you know, you can do it. Doug Henning can do it. But that's illusion, sleight of hand. Or, you know, you can watch it in movies, but that it's all fake. It's just Hollywood theatrics. Now, somehow, my parents and my Baptist preacher had failed to read the 33 verses in the Bible where God tells you not to do magic things. Like, if it was impossible to lie, thou shalt not lie wouldn't be in the Bible. If it was impossible to kill somebody, Thou shalt not kill wouldn't be there either. So if it was impossible to do magic, God wouldn't warn you 33 times not to do it. But it must be mildly important for him to say it 33 times. 
My parents missed that. I wasn't going to read the entire Bible. My Baptist preacher missed it. So I'm out to find out. I'm a man on a mission. Is this something I can really do? Now, as I'm trying to find out, and, and this is difficult. This, you know, there's no computers back then. There's no way to look this up. You can't go online and look it up. You can't go into the library and look it up. If you want to look something up, you got to know how to use the Dewey Decimal System and know how to go through a wooden box with a bunch of cardboard pieces of paper in it. And um, I say that to some people, and they're like, what? And um, so I'm trying to research it that way. And I'm not having a whole lot of luck. But at the same time as that's happening, I'm playing campaigns every weekend of Dungeons & Dragons. Don't forget her. Oh, oh KK, you're mute. You're not... You're not muted. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, Zach. Sorry. So I'm playing uh, campaigns of Dungeons and Dragons every weekend. And there's also a game at school called Bloody Mary. And Bloody Mary, you walk inside, you turn out the lights, and you chant a phrase under the mirror. And if you do it right, the spirit of a burn victim shows up in the mirror. And, you know, I'm a little naive kid. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, let's try that, see what happens. I'm not expecting anything to happen. But we did it. It's about 50 kids, boys and girls, in the same bathroom. And we do it. And the scary face shows up. 49 kids run screaming out of the bathroom. One child, he's an idiot. I can say he's an idiot because it was me. <laughs> stayed in the bathroom thinking this is the coolest thing ever. I chanted this phrase X number of times. I made this face appear. Now, let me bring up that at 10 years old, I was not the sharpest tack in the box. <laughs> I was like sharp as a marble. Um, if you're seeing the reflection in the mirror, the mirror isn't some far off land. There's not a wall and, and, and there's a room right there and he's inside that room. He's not in the far off land. He's standing right next to you and you're seeing the reflection in the mirror. So I've got a demon right next to me and don't know it. I'm still thinking it's a game. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. I just did this. The same thing happened with D&D. I start noticing that every time I'm a wizard or a sorcerer, the magic always works. Like, you have to roll a 16 or higher to get it to work. But whenever I'm trying to roll for anything else, I get between a 1 and a 15. But when I practice magic, I get a 16 every time. Or 17 or 18 or 19 or 20. So I start wondering, is, is magic real? Is this something I can really do? So going by what the magic spells were to find money, I decided I'd do a magic spell for money and see what happens. And the first night I did it, Saturday I went out and I went playing, and I found a can of tennis balls with a $5 bill in it. Well, this is 1976. My most important things in the world are penny candy, candy bars, and comic books. Comic books are 15 to 20 cents. Candy bars are 20 cents. And penny candy is indeed a penny. But that could have been a coincidence. Somebody had to find it. So the next weekend, I did it again. And then I went out, and I found a $10 bill on the side of the road. All right, I could nickel and dime my way up to being a millionaire, I guess. But this could have been a coincidence as well. I'm going to try it one more time. But this time I'm going to do it in the bathroom at home. 
and I'm going to do the Bloody Mary chants. So I'm going to do the magic spell for a little bit, Bloody Mary chant. When the face shows up, I'm going to let it know I'm doing a spell for money. And that all happens. And the next day, I'm out playing. Something catches my eye off in the distance. It's shiny. And I run over to see what that is. When I get there, there's nothing shiny there, but there's what looks like Monopoly money rolled up tight in rubber bands. So I pick that up, put it in my pocket, go back to playing. Later that night, everybody's in bed. Everybody's, you know, in their own bedrooms and we're going to bed. And I get out my treasure to see what it is. And I'm sitting in the bed with a sheet up over my head and a flashlight in my mouth. And when I unravel the rubber bands, it looked like Monopoly money because I'd never seen a $100 bill. And then once I enrolled all of them, I had 10 $100 bills. Since 1976, everything I want is dirt cheap and I'm worth $1,000. Anybody think that I went back to my parents and said, you're wrong, magic works? <laughs> Probably not, yeah. You know, Zach, not to interrupt well, here for too long, but you know, um, being a product of the 70s and, and early 80s myself, I remember that game, Bloody Mary. And my cousins, uh, we would go to my grandfather's house in the basement and, they, and I was younger than them, so they would scare me and they would, they would put, throw me in a bathroom and they would lock the door and then they would blink the lights on and off like 10 times or something. And, and then you'd chant that, you know, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, whatever. And I got to say, I saw faces in that mirror when I was a kid. Now, I thought it was just a product of my, you know, vivid imagination as a child. But hearing you talk, now it makes me wonder, was I really seeing something or, or was it, you know, just my imagination? I mean, it would have been demons of what you saw. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we were told it was the spirit of a burn victim, but a burn victim's not going to come back. Right. You know, and what you're doing is a magic spell. And, and if you do a magic spell correctly, you know, to make a magic spell work, you have to have intention, repetition, and demonic presence. Because I talk to people all the time and say, I did that, you know, for 15 years as a kid. It never happened. Nothing ever happened. Well, praise God, that meant you didn't have a demon present. That's like the same people that try Harry Potter spells and say they don't work. And it's like, well, they don't work because it's not a demon present. If there's a demon present, it works every time. So the unfortunate thing is if there's a demon present, then there's a chance you could get possessed. You know, and you, your day just goes downhill from there. So how would you define a spell then? What would be your definition? Uh, something supernatural that you cannot do on your own. Something that, you know, because stuff that happens supernaturally happens either by the power of the devil or the power of God. But God doesn't use magic. So something that, um, that with the right ritual, you can make happen. Hmm. So, you know, there's a formula to magic spells. You know, there's, um, you know, generally speaking, there's three different candles. Depends on what type of magic you're trying to do. Um, there's a skull that would be on the table, preferably a human skull, but, you know, people work with animal skulls, sometimes even a fake skull. 
Um, you need a knife of some type, parchment, and a writing utensil. Um, flame, open flame, hopefully. Um, different types of incense. Then you have your intention, and that's whatever it is that you're trying to get done. And generally, even if the practitioner doesn't believe in the devil, the devil believes in you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you're trying to do something that's magic related, he's all into that, you know, and, you know, if you're practicing magic, you're definitely not in a state of grace. And that's what he looks for, someone not in a state of grace. And not in a state of grace attacks attracts the demons. Yeah. I've noticed that they're doing that a lot in everything, it seems like. Even like Disney, uh, like everything is like witchcraft or witch shows or uh Disney's gotten ten times worse than they used to be. Yeah. They used to hide their stuff, you know, it was kind of subtle and you know, do you think they meant this or meant that? You know, but now they have what's that that latest cartoon they have that where the the woman the single mother gets pregnant by Satan and gives birth to the Antichrist. It's unreal. And they're not hiding anything anymore. Yeah, you know, gosh, and the children are the ones that always get affected by this because it. it correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but uh, isn't it the belief that? in uh, all these, you know, small uh, covens and, and witchcraft and all that, they believe that there's power in the children's uh, sexually and through their blood. Is that, am I correct in saying that? Yes. Well, you know, we have um, adrenochrome is a real thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I don't know if you've done a show on that yet. Uh, we've talked about that at length on some of my other shows. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Very familiar okay. with that. Did did so, you witness you know, did they, you witness the making of the adrenochrome? And I use that word making in quotes. I, I have not. What I did witness was I was in California and I had to have I was looking for a man that was supposed to sign some papers. And that was my job was to find him because I was familiar with uh, the Hollywood Hills where we were where I was going. And I went to this house. It's a mansion built into the side of a mountain. So when you first walk in, the mansion is grand. But when you start going further into it, there's golf carts. And they invite you to get into a golf cart, and then they drive you to where you need to go, which is deep inside the mountain. But it doesn't look like you're in a mountain because you're inside this house. And we drove to this area. I don't know how far we went. We went. As my dad would say, it was a fur piece. We went a fur piece in a golf cart. And there are these people hooked up to what looks like dialysis machines. And, but I, I didn't even know what dialysis was back then. So I'm looking at these people, and one person is old. I mean, old. Like, he should have died a long time ago. He's that old. And he's hooked up to the machine and it's taking blood out of him and putting blood back in him. Hmm. But it's also hooked up to a different machine. So it's a tube going in one machine, a tube coming out of another machine. And both tubes are going in this guy. 
So they tell me that's the guy. He's taking a nap. And I'll have to wait until he's done taking his nap to get to give him his papers. Okay, fine. I'll just wait. So, and I'm waiting in this room. There's other people that are hooked up as well. And so they bring me something to eat, something to drink. And I'm about to drift off to sleep. And this guy starts to wake up. Now, I just want to sign these papers and go. And I turn to look, and this guy is no longer, he looked like he was way over 100 years old. It's about three hours later, and the guy looks like he's in his 40s. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And I had him sign these papers, and then I left. And I was thinking that was magic of some kind. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way... He's covered in wrinkles and white hair. And now it's three hours later and he's got black hair and no wrinkles. And, you know, he just looks so much younger. And I asked the guy that was driving, how'd that happen? And the guy said, adrenochrome. And I had no idea what it was. This would have been in the 1990s. Okay. Now, do you know if... Do they have to replenish like every, you know, once a month? Is this every week? I mean, how long would he appear to be youthful after a, a, a session? Is that known? I think I think back then it was every 90 days. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so it's the fountain of youth and, at, at the expense of children. Right. And they don't have to do like that anymore. Now it's just a, a drink that, you know, they, they drink the drink and that's it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how often you have to drink it. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that since technology got better, it's not every 90 days either. Right. Yeah, and, and they might even... I don't know how many... Sorry, go ahead. I, I, I don't know how many of my interviews you've heard. I've got another one with uh, Padre Peregrino. It's on um, BitChute. And... I talk about meeting Bill Gates in the 1990s mm. and, and he brought adrenochrome into a, a meeting and was insisting that everybody drink it, that it makes everybody live longer. Hmm. Well, I thought uh, Bill Gates, I mean, isn't he just into uh, Microsoft and correcting viruses on computers? Are you trying to tell me there's something more nefarious about Bill Gates? <laughs> oh, what a shock. Uh, a billionaire <laughs> something nefarious? No way. I'm, I'm stunned. <laughs> oh, Bill Gates. We could do five shows on Bill Gates. The, mm -hmm. After you watch the video on YouTube of him saying that if he could, if you could just get a pandemic going, mm -hmm. or that he could create a vaccine, he could kill off millions of people. Yeah, depopulation. No, that's, not, that's not a fake video. That's a real video. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's legit. There's uh, TED Talks with him saying similar. It's just, it, you you know, you could say if you saw somebody say something once, you would say, okay, well, you know, they just made a mistake or he mis, you know, misspoke or, you know, whatever. But when you see it over well, and over and over, yeah, it's not a mistake. All right, well, Zach, let's get back to the story here because it gets really, I, I, it's absolutely fascinating. So you're, you know, you're a young kid, you're like 10, 11 years old, you're interested in magic with a K, 
Um, you're doing these uh, uh, Bloody Mary things in the mirror and you're seeing demons. What, what happens next? Well, you know, what, what ended up happening, that the reason I incorporated the Bloody Mary thing was that I was thinking that I'm not positive that's magic, but it seems like I chant something which seems magical. And then if you do it right, you see the spirit of a burn victim and I see it every time. So maybe that's magic. Maybe it's not. But, and I've done this magic spell twice and it worked both times. What if I combine the two? Then what could I get? What I got was a thousand dollars. And then I was convinced magic was real. You know, when I was, uh, that happened when I was 10, when I was 11, I was the victim of a sexual assault at school at the hands of a female teacher who, after it was done, told me that I couldn't tell anybody because I would be expelled from school. I would be arrested and taken to prison. If my parents found out, they would disown me that this was my idea. I wanted to do it. Obviously, I liked what happened. You know, it felt good. And... So I was the guilty party. So to me, I magic made me feel great. So I just dove further into that. I couldn't tell anybody. I like like withdrew. Because I I had limited friends to begin with because I'm a little nerdy kid. Now I've got less people I can tell. And at twelve years old, there was this kid that used to play D and D with us when I was ten. And I played mainly with older teenagers. And this kid was my age. And he disappeared. We thought that he moved away. But it turned out he was homeschooled. And he came back to us and said that he'd been playing D&D every weekend with with this group that also believed magic was real. Well, I know magic's real. So I decide that I'm going to go check these guys out because they sound like a lot of fun. And they have a, an in-ground swimming pool, a, a big in-ground barbecue pit, a huge house. You know, at my house, you can have three meals a day and a snack if my mom's in a good mood. But over there, you can live on snacks all day long if you want. You know, my entire life living with my parents, I had maybe five pizzas. But over there, if I want pizza every day, I could do it. You know, if I wanted to live on Snicker bars and potato chips all day, I could do it. My house, we had a 26-inch console TV. Are you, is any, everybody old enough to remember the oh, console yeah. TV? <laughs> I think our, I don't think KK is. But I, I was my dad's remote control for about 10 years. I say that. There was no remote back then. You were the remote. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the young nine-year-old remote that's going to walk back and forth. Um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a large TV. It's about four feet deep and three feet high. And that's not the TV part. That's the box it's in. <laughs> and that box is made of wood. And it's treated like a piece of furniture in the house. I wish you could see yeah. KK's face. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is. 
Right oh now. man, yeah, the good old days. Oh my gosh! And then they had the rabbit ears on top. You had to put tinfoil on to get a clear picture. Right, Remember that? right. <laughs> I have um, my TV. They're sixty-five inches, and it's probably three inches thick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we could not fathom this in nineteen seventy. No. no, we would have no idea what this thing is. If you brought this into the house and put it there, it would be like, is that a window? What, what do you do with that? <laughs> right. And then show me a picture. Oh, my gosh. And one that's this clear. You know, my TV glowed green all the time and had these little fuzzy pixels all over it. And then when you turned it off, it didn't actually turn off for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> you would hear the crackling sounds in it. I forgot about you that <laughs> Oh man! And even when you turned it on, you had to warm it up. Remember, it would, it would take five right. We had to warm it up, right? <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, before we get too far, Zach, I, I a real quick question about the um, abuse you uh, had from your teacher. How did she get you alone? Um, at my school, the last my last class of the day, my second to the last class of PE. And that's on the far side of the middle school. And then my last class of the day is math. And it's on the opposite side of the school. So that's my last class of the day. Mm -hmm. So, and then you have three minutes in between classes to get to the locker, get your books, and go to the bathroom. You don't have time. So we ran, I ran from PE to my locker, got my books out closed the locker, ran to my class just in time for the bell to ring. Hmm. So then I've got my hand up and the teacher finally calls on me and I said I had to go to the bathroom. You know, she's like, you had time to get from your last class to this one. You obviously made it. I said, yeah, but I made it just as the buzzer rang. And if I had stopped to go to the bathroom, I'd have a detention now. So I need a pass to get to the bathroom. So she gives me a pass and tells me not to take my time, not to play, just go and come right back. So I said, okay. My bathroom is basically at the end of the hall. So I just got to go to the end of the hall, go to the bathroom and come right back. I walk in the bathroom and there's sounds in the bathroom. There's about five stalls and um, a handicap stall. And I walk inside the bathroom and I could hear something, but I look under the, the stalls, there's no feet down there. So I walk to each stall and I open up the door. Because clearly there's somebody in there. You know, so I open one door, nobody there. One door, nobody there. Another door, nobody there. Open another door, nobody there. Get to the handicap stall. And I open the door and there's this female teacher sitting on the toilet with her skirt hiked up. No one door on, and she's masturbating. Oh my gosh! And I had never seen a vagina in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm 11 years old. I don't know what that is. I, I never knew what made the girls the girls and the boys the boys. <laughs> right. And I knew when I went to the bathroom, I knew I had something, but I didn't know what girls had. Mm-hmm. And all I knew, they had the same thing I had. I mean, they're they're called girls because they dress like a girl. Because they have longer hair, I don't know. 
So she calls me into the bathroom and has me lock the door behind me hmm. and then pretty much abuses me. Wow. And then when we're done, she explains kind of what happened, not exactly, but kind of, and then sends me back to my class, hmm. which I still didn't go to the bathroom. And so I go back to class. The teacher then makes fun of me saying I must have had diarrhea really bad or something. And all the kids are laughing because, you know, I was gone so long. And then I sit there and do my homework and now I'm miserable because I got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And when class ends, now it's time to leave. But I'm scared to go to the bathroom because she might still be in the bathroom. So I don't go to the bathroom and I've got to walk home. And there's no place to stop between here and my house to go to the bathroom. So on the way home, I beat myself. Hmm. And then I had to try and sneak in the house and change my clothes and not get caught from having peed myself when I'm 11 years old. And my mom still found out because the clothes had to go in the hamper. You know, I took a bath. And then she asked me if I peed myself. And I said, yes. And I explained kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. And then I was walking home and I didn't have any other option. And she was okay with that. Hmm. How traumatic. I can't even imagine at that age. Yeah, I was the same way. Like, I, you know, a girl had bows in her hair. Like, <laughs> that's that was the difference, you know. Like, And they had cooties. That was the only reason I knew they right. were, you know. Like, so that's, wow, that's got to be so, um, like, how did you, like, when you woke up the next day, I mean, were you thinking it was like a, like a dream, a nightmare or something? Or, I mean, did you know it actually happened? I mean, that's just so hard for an 11 year old mind to wrap around right and then being you know like when i took a bath that night i sat in there extra long i felt so dirty i was trying to scrub myself to, i just felt like everybody knew that happened mm-hmm. and even though nobody ever said anything you know my dad is like looking at me and he's looking at me like with suspicion on his face I'm thinking he knows what happened and I'm going to be expelled from school and go to prison and disowned by my parents. And I know from trial and error of being younger and admitting to things that they didn't know I did to never admit to anything, Hmm. you know, to just wait until I'm accused and he never accused. So I figured, okay, he must not know. He's looking at me suspicious for some other reason. Hmm. Wow. How traumatic. It's so, so but, sad. But, but it was, it was, um, it was rough for a while because, you know, I've got nobody I can tell. And I feel like a dirty little kid. Mm-hmm. Like I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. And I liked it and hated it at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I was, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about when I was 10, 11 years old. I mean, like, I, I don't know how I would have coped with something like that. And I mean, I can, I can easily see why you were led kind of down the path you were, you know, uh, after something like that would happen. Like I could see you trying to maybe escape it, but at the, like you said, it's, it's that dichotomy. It's, it's why well, do I like it or don't I like it? I feel dirty, but there's a weird part of me that, that likes it. It's like, you know, when you're passing an auto accident and, and people gawk at the accident, they, they don't want to, but they just have right. to look at it. You know, it's kind of like that similar, uh, feeling, I guess. 
Well, I had also, by 11 years old, my parents never explained sex to me. You know, my, my dad, the only warning I got of anything remotely sexual was him saying, never let somebody touch you between the legs. Hmm. Well, to me, your equipment is on your torso. So between my legs hmm. is nothing. Hmm. I mean, if you put your legs, sit down on the floor and put one leg on one side and one leg on the other, what's between them? Air. Yeah. Yep. So... I didn't know what he was warning me about. If somebody had sat me down in a chair and molested me, I probably wouldn't have said anything because they're not touching me between the legs. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would have known there was anything wrong with what they were doing. So that leads into, uh, so now after, after this event, what, what happens next, Zach? So, how, how long do I have, by the way? Oh, we can go as long as you want. It's up to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, at 12 years old, um, this kid comes back, introduces us to this new group, or this, this old group. It's a new group to me. You know, I go to their house, and they've got like a 50-inch projection screen TV. Um, they've got a way to play movies. They've got a reel-to-reel. And, you know, at my house, you could watch a G-rated movie, so a lot of Disney, or a PG-rated movie if it had been vetted by my dad first. But over there, they had R-rated movies. I'd never seen one of those. And they had X-rated movies. I'd certainly never seen one of those. Uh, triple X-rated movies. And triple X-rated movies with kids in at my age. Hmm. And they had magazines the same way. So I'm looking at all these naked kids in magazines or just still photos of naked kids and then watching videos of naked kids. And sometimes it's just kids sitting in a room. Sometimes they're doing things with each other or with adults. And I told this adult that I trusted something that happened to me when I was 11. And he told me that what happened to me when I was 11 was atrocious. No one should have ever done that to me. Now, keep in mind that he tells me that, and probably a few months later, I found out the teacher that did that to me was a member of this coven. Mm. Wow. So, but at this time, I don't know that. And he says, here's your chance to get your power back. Another lie of the devil, because we don't have power. Mm -hmm. Um, now that you're in this group, you can do those things in the magazines with anybody you want. Nobody can tell you no. And if anybody does something with you and you don't want to do it, you can tell them no and they have to leave you alone. And I could now be in those type magazine in those type magazines and movies if I wanted to. And they would make me famous. And once people, once your name gets out there and your face gets out there and people see you, they'll start writing in and requesting things. And that's when your real fame starts. So they started filming me in kiddie porn. And I thought that in, in 12, at 12 years old in the seventh grade, everybody at school, well, okay, I say everybody, guys, 
all the guys bragged about all the sex they were having, but none of them were having sex. There was no girl in that school that would have sex with any of those boys. So all the guys who could tell a better story was pretty much the name of the game. And then, you know, there was the innocent kids that couldn't say anything. And then there was those of us that were in the know that least we knew how to have sex, but, you know, and at first I didn't know how they gave me the address of three sisters and they told me to go to this house, ring the doorbell and give them this letter. And it was a sealed envelope. I didn't know what it said in it. And it was just a couple of blocks away from my house. So I went there and I met, you know, I rang the doorbell and gave the envelope to the sister and she opens it up. She invites me inside and there's a group of kids in there. It's the three sisters. They've also got some friends over there. And they introduced me. She introduces me to her older sister and to her younger sister. And her younger sister was eight years old. And she whispered something to the younger sister. And the younger sister took me by the hand into a bedroom. And she slowly undressed me. And I'm not exactly positive what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. But it all seems to be my choice. You know, she says, you can stop me at any time. And she strips me completely naked. And then she gets undressed. And then she introduces sex to me. And teaches me what to do. If this is an eight-year-old girl? After, this is an eight-year-old girl who's been doing this since she was three. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> to work with such trafficked kids. And um, what you're describing is, you know, it's insane. People don't believe that there is sex traffic kids in America. And that was the first time that I ever realized the U.S. had a sex trafficking problem. And it becomes so natural to them that you can't even hug them because they automatically think that you want something. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my gosh. The, the next girl was 11, and after being with the 8-year-old for three weeks, then I showed up one day, and the 11-year-old took me into the bedroom, and she taught me more stuff. And then when I finished with her, the oldest sister was 14. All of these girls got started with them three. And the 14-year-old showed me, she was with me for a week. And then I was like, all right, you've graduated, you're done. You know everything. And so then after that, I was in movies on my own. And it would be like with kids, I could choose what children I wanted to work with. Or I'd be working with adults. And again, I could choose which adults I worked with. You know, And I'm thinking I'm the luckiest kid in the world not realizing I'm being re-victimized every time. Mm-hmm. So you knew that, I mean, obviously you knew adults were watching these videos. Well, obviously most children don't have access to this at that time. Now they probably would, but at that time, you know, to, to find a dirty magazine or to find, you know, an old VHS tape or something like that. I mean, you know, someone's dad had it hidden under their bed or up in the attic or something like that. So, I mean, you, you understand at that age of 12 that adults are watching you perform these acts, correct? Not entirely, because I remember that I was in a room 
where it was all kids watching the video. Hmm. So on some level, I thought that it was mainly kids watching this stuff. Because it was mainly kids in this room watching it. You know, and when you go to a theater and you're watching Disney, the only parents that are there are the ones that are there with their kids. And a lot of kids aren't there with their parents. It's a room full of kids. So for some reason, I just assumed that somewhere there was a theater where this was playing and it would be kids that are watching it. And it was, a, I was in that for four and a half years. You know, by the time I was 14 or 15, I realized, that, oh yeah, this is adults watching this. Mm-hmm. And there might be kids somewhere watching it, but it's because an adult got it. And yeah, I would after the first year, we would get letters. And I don't know where they would come. that had to go to a PO box somewhere, I guess. But we'd get letters in the mail and people would read the letters to me. And they would say what they wanted to see me do and who they wanted to see me with. We had a girl that performed that her nickname, not on screen, but her nickname was Mosquito Bites. She had really small breasts. And she looked like she was maybe 10 or 11 years old. She was really tiny. It turned out when I met her, I was 12. She was 18. And the whole time I wasn't born, she was there. So she would have been 24, 25 years old or around them. When, when I got out of um, that coven and she was still performing and she was performing with children. What a twisted nightmare. Oh my gosh. Also, I forgot to mention when I was with the, the 11 year old, one day the back door opened and I said, and I heard a, it sounded like an adult come into the house. And I was like, who's that? And she goes, that's oh, my mom. And I was in a panic. So I was thinking, I'm going to get caught by this girl's mom and she's going to kill me and call my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and then my dad's going to, you know, if I didn't die at her hands, my dad's going to kill me. And I'm starting to sweat and I'm about to cry. And her mom knocks on the door and the little girl says, come in. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and the door opens up and there's mom. And I know the mom that I've seen her before. And she comes in, she's asked, uh, how's he doing? And the girl says, he's doing great. He, he learns pretty fast. And she's like, great. And then she talks about how that she was in the same type of porn when she was a little girl. Hmm. and that she was and that she was very excited when she had her first daughter because she knew her first daughter was going to be a movie star oh my goodness wow that is sick absolutely disgusting so okay so zach now you're you're you've run through the uh, porn industry as a young teenager um what what happens next um well going into, I officially joined this coven when I was 13. You know, they gave me the the option of not joining the coven. And, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, you've got to, at that time, you had to be 18 to buy porn. I was 12. You had to be 19 to buy cigarettes. Still 12. And 21 to buy booze. 
still 12. If I quit this coven, I'm not going to be able to smoke, not going to be able to drink, not going to be able to have sex. And at the very least, I'm not going to be able to look at porn. But I'm having sex through this coven. And I'm also taking all kinds of illegal drugs. I'm going to lose all my privileges if I quit. So I joined. And you sign a document. Um, it's a five-page document. You sign it in three places in your own blood. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin, but not mine. I signed that. Jesus died for everybody, but not me. I signed that. And on the final page of a five-page document, you agree to sell your soul to the devil. Now, I'm here to tell you that it's impossible to sell what you don't own. Mm. But at 13 years old, again, not the sharpest act in the box. So it seemed believable. So I agreed to do all these things. Um, they bring you into a room. One night I was at a sleepover, and that's what my parents thought. And I come into the room in a white robe, signifying I'm losing my innocence. They baptize you full submersion in a vat of human blood, pig's blood, and human urine. They bring you up. You go into another room, take a shower, come out in a black robe with the cow raised, and it signifies you've been baptized into a world of purpose. Then you sit in a chair, and they hand you a wheel of the crucifix center. You spin that upside down, signifying human sacrifice, and they read off the document you signed the night before. You show everybody your left thumb, you show that it's been sliced open, so it's your blood, you sign in, and then you break the arms downward denouncing Christ. What you're left with looks like a peace sign, and they take the document, intertwine it with this, and say this is going to be locked in a vault, and it will be there until you die. And so then you have a big party celebrating your Satanist, but the reality is you're 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 celebrating that one day you're going to die and go to hell. You know, so, Zach, can I inter- just to interrupt yes. real quick, because I don't want to lose this thought. There's a couple things. Um, it's interesting that the contract states that they, they do understand that Jesus forgives our sins and takes them away. And I find that I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought, okay, well, Satanists are going to deny that. They're going to say, oh, he's a, you know, Jesus was a farce. He didn't really exist or things like that. But they're actually acknowledging biblical truths of who Jesus is. And you're just basically right. saying, you know what, I'm, I acknowledge it, but I don't care. I don't, I don't need him in my life. I'm going to live my own life and I'm just going to go out and, you know, do what I'm going to well, do. To me, Jesus and my parents were the no police. They're, they were also, they weren't just the no police. They were the fun police. Hmm. You know, God to me was not a book of things you're allowed to do. It's a book of stuff you're not allowed to do. You know, the Ten Commandments is, you know, ten things you're not allowed to do. You know, and if you're Catholic, it's even worse because there's subcategories for each one of those Ten Commandments. I didn't grow up Catholic, but, you know, when you go to confession, you're looking at ten things and everything that falls underneath it. And you're thinking, there's no fun in the world. This is, this excludes everything I could possibly do. You know, and my parents, everything I wanted to do, the answer was no. Now, there wasn't like, no, you can't do that, but let's do this instead. There was no alternative. There was just no. You know, I tell people in my interviews that if I wanted the diet that I really wanted to be on, I should have told my dad, all I want to eat is vegetables. 
because my dad would have said no, and then I'd have had everything else. <laughs> Sounds like my dad. <laughs> hmm. So, so uh, Zach, one more, what, one more. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting, but it, I find this fascinating because you know there's there's always been this thing in Hollywood and in entertainment, rock stars and all these you know rap stars they, it, saying they've given their souls to the devil. Uh, sold their souls to the devil. Right. There's documentaries on, you know, we, they sold their souls for rock and roll. Um, I know there's um, right. one with hip hop. So is this something that is commonplace where, where a, you know, any given entertainer trying to make it, they have to basically split their thumb or do some other blood ritual where they're, they're putting their blood on the actual contract? Is that how it works? Uh, you need to ask me this question when I'm telling you the high wizard part of my story. Okay. <laughs> Getting ahead of it a little bit. Sorry. So save, that, save that question for I later. Will. I will. So when I was 14 years old, they told me that I needed to go home and practice with a scalpel, which they gave me, and a bowl of Play-Doh or an apple and an orange because I was going to commit an abortion in about nine months. And I said, cool. And then I went home and I looked up the word abortion because I didn't know what it meant. And my dictionary didn't have the word abortion in it. So I went back to my covenant and I said, hey, you know, I heard I have to commit an abortion in nine months, but I don't know what that means. He goes, oh, yeah, you're killing a baby in the womb. And I was like, is that legal? Oh, yeah, in the womb, legal, out of the womb, murder. Okay, so then we had this sex party with a 19-year-old coven member and all the male members aged 12 to 15. And the object was to get this woman pregnant. And we succeeded. And it was eight to nine months later. It was three months before I turned 15. We did this um, ritualistic abortion we had. Um, the entire coven was at this farmhouse which, by the way, was more sterile than any abortion clinic I've ever been in. And there was uh, abortion doctor and a nurse. The woman was there, beat her up in stirrups. Um, there was a bunch of men chanting and praying to Satan to keep law enforcement and Christians away. Uh, there was 15, about 15 women uh, nude swaying on the floor, chanting our bodies ourselves. And there's 13, the high, 13 high priest and priestesses of my coven have surrounded me. I'm dressed in the red robe, which is the magic practitioner. I've got on a face mask and gloves. And all I have to do is get blood on my hands. And it doesn't matter if it's the babies or the moms. But for me to practice my magic, I need blood on my hands. And so it's a... They deliver the baby all but the head, and they do a late-term abortion. And then they took tongs with teeth and ripped the baby to shreds, oh threw the oh. body parts out through the... Wow. You want me to stop? No, 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 no. I want people to hear this because this is what you just said. The women were chanting. That is what they are chanting now. Mm -hmm. If you listen to them when they are upset that they cannot have abortions, they are chanting, my body, my choice. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. My body, my 
-hmm. Okay, so it's almost the same. same. Okay. And so Christians have been saying that this is a spiritual battle. And the left, it's spiritual warfare. And, And you are just confirming this. So no, don't stop. Yeah, go ahead. So they rip the, the baby up and they throw the body parts out to the women on the floor and the women on the floor consume it. They eat everything but the bones. Oh. And, and the, the big um, orgy after that and everybody celebrates that you know they just successfully murdered a baby. And being my first one, I felt like all my blood had left my system and I was just pure adrenaline. I felt 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I felt like if you'd have given me a lake, I could have walked across it. I felt like I could do anything. And so that was my first one. Um, At 18 years old, I graduated from high school and I was gonna be going off to college. And, you know, this is before the internet. Uh, The way you found things, things like that, you have to go to an adult bookstore and get a local swimmers magazine. And then the advertisements in the back would tell you about covens. And I hated to find it that way because those places are skeezy. You know, there's like the, the, the class of people that go in there, even using the word class is not appropriate. And, you know, I, I didn't want to go that route. And I, I also, I knew they're not going to advertise at the town square. I'm going to have to find it somehow. Well, I found it because they advertised it in the town square. Um, the first day of school, it was open. It was a Wednesday. And that's the day the student union is open. And the student union, you've got the Republican and the Democrat and the monarchy party student union. You've got the Baptist and the Catholic and the Methodist student union. And you got the Satanic and the Wiccan Student Union. So I joined that Satanic Coven. And this is a bunch of kids away from home for the first time. And they think that Satanism is all about getting drunk, getting stoned, and having sex. I've been doing all that since I was 12. I don't need a Satanic Coven for that. And these are guys away from home for the first time. And think that they're making up spells on the spot, but they're not. They're like, I'm going to tap this beer can with my wand, circle it around my head three times, and then I'm going to find a million dollars. That's not a magic spell. And they, all the magic was like that. Like they didn't know what they were doing. So, and then, this is my favorite part. They would do this meeting on Saturday. Guess where they went on Sunday? Church. 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 <laughs> yeah. Regular, regular no. Christian church. Not surprising. Because this is just this is just a club, and they had to go to church to get sanctified. Because mm-hmm. next Saturday they were going to do it again. And so that's not what I'm looking for. I heard there was a covenant out there to rule the world. I had read books. I had heard about a place called Bohemian Grove. I heard about the Illuminati. I wanted to know if that stuff was real. So I called my first cousin and I was like, hey, what's up? I'm looking for this. I can't find it. 
And they gave me a phone number and a name. And they said, call that number. They'll hook you up. So I call this number. And they had me meet them at a warehouse. They said, when you come up, come dressed in your regular street clothes. There's going to be a party going. So I got there. And it's a building. We didn't have Super Walmart back then. But the building was as big as a Super Walmart. And there's a party happening. And I get up to the door, and there's a guy that checks my ID and asks me how I knew about it. I told him what I did. And so he told me, you know, welcome. And I walked inside. Now, keep in mind, outside, there's the security guy. And there's there's a parking lot with, I I don't don't even know how many cars. But when I walk inside, there's 10,000 people in the party. And there's a table with food. There's another table with drugs, a table with booze. There's also a table with soda. So I get soda and like a sandwich. And I'm just walking around the room. And I'm watching there's people that are having an orgy. There's a bunch of naked people here and there. There's women walking around in different costumes. There's guys also walking around in different costumes. There's some people wearing black robes. And... Um, Let's go back to me being 13 years old. One night I was at a sleepover at my coven, and it was this. Um, I got up about three o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom and get a drink of water, and there was this guy walking through my coven house, dressed in a tuxedo with a top hat and a wand, and corpse paint on his face. He looked like a member of Kiss wearing a tuxedo, hmm. and I thought that was the coolest look ever. And he sees me and he winks at me and he keeps going. So I go to the bathroom, get my drink of water. I go back to bed. And the next day I was like, hey, what was this? I saw this last night. And I'm like, oh, you didn't see anything. There's nobody like that. And I thought, okay, so my Baptist preacher lies to me. My parents lie to me. My teachers lie to me. Now my coven's lying to me. No problem. I must have dreamed that. But I thought, I'll file that away in the back of my head. And one day, I'm going to find out. So one day happened when I was 18 at this party. But by then, I was 19. And I see this guy, not the same guy, but a similar look. And I grabbed this guy next to me, and I said, who is that? What is that? How can I do that? And he was like, well, who is in control of your coven? I said, I came from a really big coven. We had 120 to 150 members. At any given time, we had 13 high priests and priestesses, and we had the official magic practitioner. Uh, newbies wore a white robe. Uh, common members wore a red robe with an inverted red pentagram on it. And then the magic practitioner wore a red robe with an inverted black pentagram on it. I said, that's what I did. And he says, well, we're run by a CEO and board of directors. We have over 1 million members worldwide. And that guy you just saw is the High Wizard. And the High Wizard does the official magic of the government. I was like, how can I get that? And he says, all I know is that you need to get Satan's attention. You get Satan's attention, he'll handpick the High Wizard. So I knew that doing abortion gets Satan's attention. If you want what you want then you need to get an abortion done for it. 
and that would get you that does a hex and you could get you know whatever you're wanting whatever you're trying to get so i got linked in with the people in the coven that did the abortions and i gave them my references now i had good references and had been doing i'd done a few of them and so i did like five more and with them and then i got this postcard in the mail that said i was being summoned before the ceo and book of directors and i didn't know why and uh, i was almost turning 21 and you know i've been with this coven now for like two or three years never done really much of anything with anybody just doing that and um so but i would go to their parties and things because i had a good time and so i went out and i bought i was living in florida at this time there's a two-week cooling off period by so i bought that i bought a bunch of clips and i bought a bunch of pools because in my mind i ain't going out like no sucker so you can try and kill me if you want but everybody's got to hear about this gunfight so i show up i'm wearing a suit and i've got my nine millimeter on me and i've got all my clips all over me and they put me into this room set me in a chair hand me a high wizard handbook and they tell me that i've been chosen to be the next high wizard and they pull a rope on this wall and it opens up this curtain and it shows me nine other costumes of what my costume could look like. And then they show me these photos that are 24 by 24 inches and it's face paint ideas. And I can have any any of these or choose my own and I'd be given my own makeup artist. And I'm reading this book and first page says, no one can tell you what to do. Uh, this is the job for me. What do you mean no one can tell me what to do? Yeah, anybody that tells you what to do, just look at him and say, pardon me, you can't tell me what to do. It's like, you get to do, they can choose, they can choose you for the magic spell and they can ask you if you'll do it, but you don't have to do anything. It'd be nice if you would, because you're the high wizard. You've got more magic power than anyone else, but you don't have to say yes. So I was made a high wizard when I was 21 years old. And I turned 21 July 9th, 1987. So my first event was going to Bohemian Grove. You know, finding out that every president except one was put into office by the Illuminati. And my first time there, I met Ronald Reagan. I voted for Reagan, so I was happy to see him. But when I stuck my hand out to shake his hand, he stuck his hand out until he saw me. And then he pulled his hand back. So, all right. Fair enough. Um, if you want to know what a high wizard looks like, go to YouTube, look up pink like a bill official video. And she has a high wizard that appears in her video four times. There's also a picture online. It's with a ministry to Spain. And it's a still photo of Pink standing on the red carpet, standing next to a white wizard. Mm -hmm. 
So it's apparently somebody she knows. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. So, do, you, do you know who it is? No, I don't know who it is. You can't tell me by who it is. He's wearing makeup. He's wearing, and you're wearing a costume. And none of the high wizards ever meet each other. So there's between two and five in the world. And the number could be as low or as one as 10. Mm-hmm. Um, my first year, I found out that the Illuminati was real. I worked with them for 12 years. I went to Bohemian Grove every year. I went to Bohemian Grove a total of 18 times. Most people think it's only open in July. That's cremation of care ceremony. Um, but it's actually open four times a year. It's open in February, May, July, and October. Um, if you're a billionaire hmm. and you belong to the Bohemian Club, you can go anytime as long as you take your own wait staff. Your, your what staff? Wait staff. Wait staff. So, Zach, what what's going on the other three times a year there? I mean, is it just a bunch of orgies and ritualistic type things, or are they doing other sacrifices? What What's the other occasions for? It's um, business guys getting together to just make deals with each other and make deals with the high wizard. Hmm. And people that, for whatever reason, they can't have a high wizard go to their office or their house, but they can come here and get stuff done. Interesting. So, you know, in, in, uh, when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, the devil, you know, brings him up to the high point. And he says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you just bow to me, is this, a, is this that, I mean, is this what the devil is offering these businessmen? Like, Hey, you, you want these things? You just have to bow to me. You just do what I tell you. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, that, that's a good way to interpret it. I mean, these are people that know that no legal avenue is going to get this bill passed. You know, somebody's got a, a construction company, but they know if they could get in with the right people, they could make billions of dollars. But nothing they do legally can do that. But a hex to the devil with an abortion could. Mm-hmm. You know, and people don't look at it like, if I do this, I'm definitely going to hell. You know, most people don't consider hell. You know, hell is not on the table for them. And they don't think there's any big deal to it. You know, I wanted something done. I paid this coven X number of dollars. You know, it was rumored that a guy, now we've heard a guy and we've heard all three networks. At that time, there were only three networks. Um, paid the coven up to a billion dollars to do a spell so that all the future TV shows would have a homosexual character. Mm. Hmm. The name of show doesn't have a gay character. Yeah, I think I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's what they're pushing right now is mm-hmm. transgender and... Um, right. Yeah. Well, we're trying to make people like Satan. Right. Satan doesn't have a gender. That's right. You know, you do this and you won't either. I'd, I'd also uh, interject that it's to alter the image of God. I mean, we're image bearers, and right. and he can't, right. he cannot stand that. That literally drives him crazy. 
Oh, wow. Well, they also can't stand sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this, this you don't have to be Republican or Democrat. It's both, right? Like, we're going to be here voting for Republican and Democrat, and we're divided. And really, it's it's all of them, right? Right. And at Bohemian Grove, to be Republicans and Democrats, um, and there's a lot of homosexuality that happens there. They have gay porn stars come in and gay actors and uh, gay street hustlers that come in and perform for the people. And if you want to watch it or participate, you can. And some of these same people that are standing there watching and or participating voted against homosexuality. But here they are participating in it. There's um, there's an audio from President Nixon on YouTube where somebody asked him about Bohemian Grove. And he said he doesn't want to go back. There's too, too many GD fags there. Mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing that. So can we say that Pretty much all of the politicians and everyone in, uh, I mean, is there anybody that hasn't been there? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to uh, there would be low-level politicians that haven't been. Okay, what, what is considered low-level? Uh, your city mayor, council okay. members. Um, I would imagine some also governors haven't been there. You know, uh, the Senate and, you know, you've got to be, like, all the presidents have been there. Vice presidents have been there. Yeah. Uh, billionaires have been there. Um, oh, what's his name? Bill Sor- George Soros has been there. So would this be... Uh... If you want to be in the club, it's an initiation type thing. You, you've got to go there. If, if you miss it, you're not in oh, the club. You get invited. What if what yeah, if what if? Yeah, I was gonna say, what if I'm a I'm a you know major pol- politician in Washington D.C. and they invite me and I re- I reject it. What happens to me? Nothing. Okay, I wouldn't be like yeah, ostracized. Be no. Okay. And they might even try and invite you more than once. Because, mm-hmm. you know, things happen. Uh, you lose the invitation. The invitation doesn't make it to you. They maybe send it to the wrong address. Send it again. Mm-hmm. Check the address. Send him something else. And if he gets that, send him this. And we know that blackmail is the um, cabal's favorite tool uh, <laughs> to get people in compromising position so i'm i'm guessing when you're there there's probably cameras everywhere t- snapping pictures of people in very compromising positions doing illegal activity and they kind of hold that over your head um, let me tell you a fun story mm-hmm. there, there's a bus that comes in there and there's a banner that comes that lowers down from the bus and it says um lolita boys and have either one of you heard this story before? No. Mm-mm. Okay. So, Lolita boys will either be dressed 
in Native American clothes or in tuxedos. Now, what you'll see is if it's Native American, they're going to be wearing a headdress with one or two feathers, um, a Native American necklace, um, moccasins on their feet, and a loincloth. That's all they got on. They got a thong going up their butt and a loincloth in the front. Or if they're dressed as a tux in a tuxedo, shiny shoes, shiny pants, but the back of the pants doesn't have a butt on it. And then they have um, uh, um, cufflinks and cuffs, but no shirt and a tuxedo, a bow tie. And, and they're topless, basically. So, and it's the same thing with the, the Native Americans, they're topless. But they're called Lolita Boys. So, I'm in the main, the main building, and, you know, I'm eating, and I look up, and I see this Lolita Boy, he's bent over, fixing some rich guy's shoes and pants down at the bottom, the cufflinks of the cuffs. And as he's bent over, I start paying attention to this. It, it looks like a 12-year-old boy. And I'm looking at his butt because it looks like a girl's butt. And suddenly I get this wild thought. And I had a note taken to him for him to meet me in my trailer in an hour. And then I walk with my security back to my trailer. And I said, when this person shows up, I need you to wait outside. He's like, yes, sir. So I'm sitting in there for about 45 minutes to knock at the door. And this kid walks inside. And so I'm trying to nail this kid down to how old are you? And I keep getting old enough. And are you a girl or a boy? And he's saying he's a boy. And he looks like a boy. But then I asked him to stand in front of me and I lifted up his loincloth and he has this little pouch back behind that. So his equipment should be in this pouch. So I squeeze the pouch and it's made of foam. And I pull down what he's wearing and he's got a vagina. And I was right. It was a girl's butt. And then I had her sit on the couch and tell me all about it. And she said that they have surgery or take medicine to make it so that they don't grow breasts. And this year, this was July, this year so far she had made $800,000 doing this. And all the, all the ones on the bus, they're all girls. But they're called Lolita Boys. They dress like boys. And they perform sodomy on all the men that are there. So either oral or anal. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks they're having sex with a little boy. They also think they're having sex with an underage little boy. But in reality, it's, it's a total mind twist. Because everybody that's having sex with a Lolita Boy is having sex with a legal-aged girl. <laughs> think they're having sex with an underage boy. What a twisted... Oh my 
gosh, I don't even. They're doing right now to the kids, mm. though. They're they're giving them hormone yeah. uh, blockers, mm. and then they're also uh, doing transition surgery, and then they're they're blaming you if you're not for it. But they have pictures of all these men from back then doing this. So if they reveal this to the world, it looks like you're having sex with a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what? So like, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, what about judges, like family court judges? Um, they have most judges in their pocket. Like there'd be some good judges out there. Yeah, there's some people that don't take threats, you know, laying down. But you know, it, it's a it's a very sad world we live in, and it's very shocking when you find out who's involved, and when you find out like in games and goals and. You know, just what's happening and where it's happening. Because, like, for me, finding out that, um, you know, there's way over 100,000 kids that are trafficked in this country alone every year. And, you know, I've talked to people that are like, oh, who's, who's reporting the kids missing? Well, a lot of times no one is. The house they're running away from is worse than where they go. Right. So I'm glad you brought that up mm. because that's something that I noticed in the foster care system was that it's real easy for foster kids to go missing for one, the, the procedures. So when a foster kid runs away, if a staff member, like say when I worked at the group home, if I tried to stop the child because you can't put your hands on them, I would catch a charge for trying to stop the kid from leaving. So you have to let the kid leave and then you call your local police. You don't call 911. So there's no 911 call placed. And then right. you there's no missing report. Now you're supposed you report it like a group home would report it to a case manager. And the case manager would report it to the National Center of Missing and Exploited Kids. But there's no search party. There's no, and the placement agency only gives them two, 10 days to return. So if they don't return within 10 days, they give that bed to someone else. I also heard that when you get reported to the Center for National Exploited Children, that X number of cases get counted as one. Yeah. I believe so it. Where it look, where it looks like only one kid has gone missing in the last week, that could have been 30 or 40. Mm -hmm. hmm. numbers. So have you seen anyone from National Center and missing and exploited that's, kids? That's my next question. <laughs> I have seen money get delivered. Like somebody walk into certain businesses or certain organizations and walk in with a briefcase basically full of money 
and walk out with an empty briefcase. Mm-hmm. And like when when I was in child pornography, I was allowed to do anything I wanted. Like when it was time for lunch, I could eat anything I wanted. But a lot of these kids were not allowed to eat. And there was a girl sitting next to me that was really hungry. She was rubbing her stomach. And so I shared my lunch with her. And then I was taken to the side and told that some of these kids are bad and they're not allowed to eat. This is how they're punished. And so I can't feed them like that. But even hearing that, I would still sneak food to them. Because these kids were doing everything they're being asked to do on these sheets. So why doesn't this good act negate whatever they did that was bad. And no one could tell me, so I would feed them. And I never got, I never got punished for doing it. So I just kept doing it. Do you know if there were foster kids? Some of the kids told me that one girl told me that she missed her mom and dad. And I asked where they were and she didn't know. And she said that she's been in different homes and that this one, this one is the best one and the worst one at the same time. Like she gets to see so many more kids being in this one, but they make her do things that she doesn't like to do. But I was told in my first coven that the foster system was a fantastic way to get kids. Yeah, it seems to be the easiest way, and they have it perfected. But they also, I mean, all the, the, the normal ways to get a child are also still effective. You can still go to the bus terminal, you know, in big cities and find the kids that have the either the blank stares or the kids that look like they would do anything for a meal and they will right and we were taught that too we were taught that um you know to look for sex trafficked kids you know you want to look for the ones that have their heads down the ones that are kind of shy right Um, kids that look broken yes and that's why I always say teach your kids to walk with their head held high. Um, and then the other thing that we were taught was that um, they tattoo the kids. And it it started out with a tattoo on the neck. And then it moved to the wrist. And then it moved to the back. And a lot of times it's a butterfly. I've seen quite a few of them because, like I said, that they were different. Like, they were all different tattoos. They weren't the, like, it wasn't just like a, it's not something that you would just, like, catch your eye unless you knew to look for it. Right. I've seen butterflies and I've seen building clovers. I have seen too. So the Bohemian Grove, um, what what made you stop going there? 
What, what was it just getting boring for you? Um, I was so small. I was no longer high with the ship. February, uh, 2000, or oh, not 2000, February 1999 was my last time going. I stopped being, I left the satanic coven in March of 1999. So going back to what you asked me earlier. Yeah, blood covenants. About rock stars. Um, when I was high wizard, we would do what's called a warehouse deal. Now the word goes out to people that are either has-beens or never been famous. Or you've got a deal and you don't think it's good enough. So they let them know that we're going to have a warehouse deal. So I show up. I've got a small entourage. I'm in a limo. And I show up to a warehouse. And in this warehouse is maybe a thousand people. And like I said, this is people that have, they've already been rock stars and they want to do it again. Or they've never been a rock star and they want to do it for the first time. Or they already have a deal and they don't think it's good enough. I don't know why they don't just renegotiate with the person that signed them, Mm -hmm. but they show up here. And I walk through the building and I'm kind of looking for somebody that looks like they could be famous. And you you just, you need to have a certain look. I I can't explain it. It's just something about them pops. Then I start asking questions. Who wants to be famous? Everybody says they want to be famous. What are you willing to do to be famous? Now, here's where people have morals and they draw a line in the sand. You know, they'll say, well, I would be willing to do anything to be famous, but nothing with animals and nothing with children. So I just keep going. I ask the question again, and I keep asking it until someone doesn't say these things. Because Satan doesn't want the person that draws a line in the sand. He wants the person that's willing to jump in the mud and be drug through it. So I ask this guy, because this guy couldn't sing, he couldn't dance, he couldn't write a song, couldn't write a poem. For some reason, there was a Dr. Seuss book in the building. And I handed him that book and I said, read this to me. So he started reading me this Dr. Seuss rhyme. And just before it rhymed, he closed the book and put it down and said, I don't get it. And I thought, you're perfect. I was like, what are you willing to do? He goes, I'll do anything. I said, give me an example of anything. He said, let's say that you brought me into a room and there was a young girl and a horse. And he told me to do whatever I wanted to do. I would do whatever I thought you wanted to see with this little girl and the horse. So I pull out what's called a tier two card. It's a white card with a phone number on it. It's raised. And I say, you call that number. Meet them wherever they tell you to meet. Do whatever they tell you to do. And I'll see you on MTV in six months. So I gave him my card. And the next time I saw him, 
was on VHS and on MTV, and he was in one of the most famous boy bands of all time, <laughs> singing and dancing. <laughs> I did that with 1,200 rock stars. If you were a rock star between 87 and 99, I signed you. Wow. Now that counts at country music, rock music, mm -hmm. reggae, rap, heavy metal, everything. As a matter of fact, now when I decide what band can I go see, I think about every 90 days we would know where we were going to be as High Wizards. And we'd be given a printout of all the bands that are going to be where we're going to be. And all the bands that are on that printout is somebody that signed a deal with us. Even if it wasn't with me, they signed with one of us. So if I want to go see any of those bands, I just check off who I want to go see. And when I get there, I get to go backstage and party with the bands, sleep with their groupies, eat their food, take their drugs, drink their drinks, sometimes party on the bus, sometimes go back to the hotel and have a good time with them. If their name wasn't on that list, then if I wanted to go see them, I'd have to pay. So the bands that I had to pay to get to see was, there was a very short list, uh, U2, Metallica, Pink Floyd. Um, okay, so let's let's go back to my question earlier. So, is there an actual blood covenant on that? Are they putting blood on a contract and literally selling their souls? Uh, rock stars do. Rock stars agree to sell their soul to the Illuminati. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a documentary with Lady Gaga. I think it's called Gaga 5.2. And in one of the edits that didn't end up in the documentary, but it's, you can find it in special features. She talks about that before she was Lady Gaga, she did a performance in a strip club and she was leaving for the night. There was a guy standing out there waiting for her mm -hmm. yep. and asked her if she wanted to be famous. Mm. And she said, yes, you know, he said he had the power to make her like a global sensation. Yep. All she had to do was sell her soul to the Illuminati. And she said yes. Yeah, I've heard that story. Um, you know, I would imagine in, in your years in this, you had to cross paths with a, um, Marina Abramovic. Is that uh, someone you're familiar with? I met her when she was younger. Mm -hmm. And she was into witchcraft back then, too. She told um, she told somebody in an interview, obviously in the last five years, that if you her artwork, there's one particular artwork project that she did involved breast milk, sperm, urine, and blood. But that and that all this stuff is used in satanic magic. But if you do it in an artistic setting then it's art. And as a well, isn't that odd? Because if you go to a Catholic church and attend a mass, 
it's called the Catholic Mass. But let's say that that priest comes over to your house and he does that same ritual in your house. It's not called art. It's called the Catholic Mass. If you do it in a museum, it's called the Catholic Mass. If you do it in a vehicle, it's called the Catholic Mass. No matter where you do it, it's Catholic Mass. So I'm thinking that Satan's a liar, and it is still satanic magic. He's just lying about what it is. Mm-hmm. That somehow the venue changes what it is. So, like, I'm going to ask a question. Yeah, go ahead, KK. So, like, all the new, like, like rappers and all that, they all sell their soul, too? Yes. Wow. Is that the only way to get famous in this world? It pretty much is, except that I mentioned three bands that are famous, and none of them did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I'm guessing that it can be done. Although I have seen, like, you know, I, and I know all those bands very well, um, you know, Bono, if you... <laughs> They're always they're always covering up the eye. They're making the pyramids, you know, Illuminati signs. Right. Um, so I know, like, right. to me, it seems like maybe, maybe they attained a different level, and there's still, there's still involvement in it, but maybe not completely sold out. If that makes sense. Right. Because you see them. I mean, I don't. I, there are just thousands and thousands of pictures of these rock stars, rap stars, whatever. Uh, even just actors now, all covering up an eye, or you know, they uh, they're in the black eye club. We see that all the time. Uh, that's right. actually right. that's before. That, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. I, I almost I'm glad I said that because I would have forgot. Um, what what is the deal with the black eye club? What does that represent? I mean, I think I know, but kind of a rhetorical question, maybe. It represents somebody that has slept with a child. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. But this is this is their way of letting each other know what they've done. But most people don't know. It's the uh, same thing with the red uh, wristbands. Mm. Wait, the wristbands? Because mm. I heard at the border, there's a lot of they they uh, wear a wristband to know which cartel they they belong to. I haven't heard that. Is it a red wristband? Oh, it's a wristband. Uh, I think it is red. Uh, I'd have to look and see. What about free meat? Uh, do you remember? Do you remember when Pizzagate came out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got interviewed. I got a real in-depth interview on that, and then the guy called me back and said that a few weeks later, and said that his editor had his life threatened. And they threatened all the employees, and they actually were turning up dead. Wow! So they were told to stop this story, so they were no longer going to interview me. But in that interview, I said, because they asked me, what's the significance of the children wearing red shoes? And I said that certain children are competing in competitions, and the ones with the red shoes are the winners. And that means those children can be bid on by the billionaires. The rich. You'll never, you'll never see this child again. 
Yeah, and then you have, you know, the Podestas, uh, that famous picture of them all wearing the red right. shoes. And, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't the priests wear it? From the church, like the Pope? The Pope. Um, one of the Popes stopped wearing, I think, the current Pope. But they were a pair of shoes made by um, not Dolce & Gabbana, Prada. Prada yeah. makes a pair of red shoes for the Pope every year. Which is the blood. Hmm. Not wow. the kids' blood, right? Uh, I don't know, but uh, the what current pope, the current pope doesn't wear them. Oh, but all the other but ones. All the other ones do, yeah. Um, I got a question in the chat here from a good friend of mine, uh, CDP for JC. Um, he's wondering. And I, I mean, this might be a rhetorical question too. Um, Hillary, witch or not a witch? <laughs> <laughs> she belongs to a satanic coven out in LA. Hmm. Wow. That's she really belongs nice. to it. Her daughter, her daughter belongs to it. Uh, her daughter appears in public with inverted pentagrams on a necklace. Sure does. And I think she admitted to being a satanist. It's it's almost, you know, Zach, if, if you didn't know any of this and you were just tuning in tonight, I mean, you'd have to sit here and watch this and go, okay, these people are nuts, right? I mean, you, you, would, <laughs> you, would, you would literally think, okay, these people are, have lost their minds. They're, they're just trying to get some views or something like that. But this is, I remember when I first started finding out about this stuff, and this is probably maybe, probably about 12, 13 years ago when I first really started seeing some things that I was very uncomfortable with. And, you know, the internet, you know, it's good and bad, right? I mean, you get some false information, you get some good information, and you kind of piece it together. And then, But when you see patterns, there's there's something to patterns that tell you. If there's repeatability, it's there's truth there. And you need to keep, you know, chasing down that, that rabbit hole. And, I, and the one thing that always kept coming back is children. It's always children. And we have these monstrous numbers. I know you had mentioned 100,000. We've, we've come up with numbers closer to 800,000 a year that go missing just here in the United States. Between And then not... Oh, I, not I, I, was being, I was being conservative because oh. I've really heard numbers like a million. Okay, good. Yeah, that's where... I mean, not good, that's, but that's where... Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and that doesn't even include the abortions. You know, that's another three, three 400,000 a year. So, uh, you know, well, I mean... Actually, this, Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood says that they abort 1.3 million every year. Oh, and in, mm-hmm. in America or across the Just world? Just in the United States, yeah. Wow, United okay. States. That's a lot bigger number than I, I heard. Okay. Wow. And now how is this, how in the world, if, if this isn't, this is obviously an epidemic. I mean, this is, this is something that has to stop. But when you have a, a complicit media that's part of it, part of this cabal system you it's almost impossible to get a message out other than these little podcasts you know i mean every now and then it might something might go viral or whatever but it's it's all because they own everything and, you know in right. my in my opinion i've said this to the girls over and over again i mean we are in the greatest spiritual war of all time right now you know jesus you know jesus accomplished uh he at that time up to that point he defeated the enemy and gave us eternal life 
through his sacrifice. That sacrifice is propelled into the future to us right now. And we need to use the blood of Jesus Christ over what they're doing to bring this thing down. Because this is not going to be brought down by mankind. This is a thing that we have to, that God, I believe, we're, we're very close. I, I really, truly believe this in my heart, that we are very close to being on the cusp of the greatest move uh, of, of God's spirit on this earth ever. And a lot of, uh, I call it a, like retribution, maybe a season of justice, righteousness, um, there's going to be like a rebirth that's coming very soon, I believe. Um, and and I, that's what I, you know, I've heard a lot of people, well, we need to do this, we need to do that. Yes, we all need to be active. We all need to stay off our hands and do something as the body of Christ. But in the same token, this is, this is not going to be done by man. This is going to be done by God himself. And, you know, he said it'd be better than a millstone be hung around a person's neck and be and drowned than to hurt one of these little ones. So I'm praying for my enemies as we're, we're called to do in scripture. I'm praying for them. And I, and that doesn't mean I don't want them to see justice. Yes, they absolutely need to see justice. And I personally believe the death penalty is, is a just penalty, uh, for what, what they're doing to children. Um, but it's something this, this cannot continue. These, these are the weakest and most innocent among us. And if we can't protect them, especially in America, I mean, for crying out loud, this country should know better. And I mean, what, Zach, I mean, I'm sure you've thought about this over and over again. And then actually, you know, being a part of it at one point and coming out of it, what's what's the thought process like coming out of it when you've seen the light, literally seen the light, and, and you wake up to the atrocities that you were actually part of in the past? How does How did you cope with that? Uh, mentally, spiritually, physically? Well, I wasn't actually, to me, even, even leaving the uh, the coven officially in 1999, I lived off the grid for a couple of years because mm. I was afraid they were going to find me. Mm-hmm. And eventually I got a, I ended up with a, a job in Burlington, Vermont, and in 2007, I got married, and my wife had been a member of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses growing up, and she recognized it as a full-blown cult. Mm-hmm. And we both wanted to attend a church, but for me, I knew. But my dad told me when I was a kid, uh, you know, there was a Catholic church that I passed going to school and coming back home. And I had hugged a nun the day before, and I really wanted to know what this building was. You know, it had stained glass windows just like my church. I grew up Baptist. They had a crucifix instead of a cross. I didn't know the difference. There's a bell that rings multiple times a day. And my dad's driving past it, and I went, Dad, 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 what is that? It's the Catholics. I can read the sign. What's a Catholic? Doesn't matter. They're all going to hell. So, I can't join the Catholic Church because they're all going to hell. I do know that if Satan is not attacking your church, why would you belong to it? Like, if you're posing zero threat to the devil, you should go find another church to join. You should join a church that is posing a threat to the devil. 
uh, we attacked the Catholic Baptist Church up until 1995. In 1995, we noticed that the women that used to wear floor-length skirts were now wearing miniskirts. The people that talked against gay marriage were now attending gay ceremonies. And the people that talked against abortion were now getting them. So we stopped attacking the Baptist Church and watered down their faith. We had so many Baptist churches belong to Freemasons. So no reason to attack them anymore. And there was no other Protestant church we were attacking. Now, we did continue to attack the Catholic Church, but that wasn't my group that did that. So I couldn't figure out if all the Catholics were going to hell, why are we attacking them? We'll eventually see them all there. And so my wife is like, who do you want to join? And I said, there's nobody to join. I don't know who to join. I mean, we convert to be a Jew. I don't know. Um, Satan doesn't attack them either. He seems to be right in line with them. So you know, I, I don't know who to join. I don't know what to do. And so, you know, we're, we're just kind of like moving along. Like we got married in October 10th, 2007. And in January 2008, I was working as a manager at Piercing Dakota. And this woman came up to buy a pair of gold tube earrings. And, you know, I sell her what I think is the perfect pair. And she's like, well, you know, actually, I'm shopping with my daughter. And when I'm done, I'll come back and I'll buy them. And, you know, most people would say that just mean I'm going to go find it cheaper someplace else. But she had an honest face. I thought she was coming back. And three hours later, she came back. We did the transaction. And at the end of the transaction, I gave her the receipt. I said, if you call this 800 number on the receipt and take a survey, you might win $1,000. And she goes, that's great. I've got something for you, too. And she reaches in her purse, and I'm thinking, oh, no. She's going to pull out a jack chick pamphlet, tell me that I'm sinning, and I need to drop to my knees, and blah, 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 all this stuff I can't do because I sold my soul to the devil when I was 13. However, I do learn things. When things happen to me, I learn from them. I learned early on that when one of these evangelical types approaches you and says you're sinning and gives you a Jack T. Framlet, and you tell him, I can't do any of this. I sold my soul to the devil when I was 13. I'm a Satanist. When you do that, they will follow you home evangelizing. You cannot escape. I mean, you'll be running, and they'll be matching you step for step. You know, you can repent, you can repent. You love, love Jesus, love Jesus. Read the Bible, read the Bible. You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'll never say this again. So, and instead, she pulls out this little gold disc. I don't know what this is. And she says, the strangest thing I've ever heard. Now, remember that I you with rock stars. Even if somebody that can write a song or a poem unlimited booze and drugs and they will say some strange stuff my example for this and when i do my talks is i think it was the number one song in 1999 was bow to bob by kid rock mm-hmm. you know it's like this is his breakout song this is the best song he ever did mm-hmm. most popular and this is what made him a rock god you know in the course of that is bow to bob to dang to dang diggy diggy up jumps the boogie and it's like that's the best you got <laughs> you know, when I say it at my talks, yeah, everybody laughs. And I'm like, you don't have any reason to laugh. We made that song number one. 
It wasn't just number one for a week. It was number one for the year. Mm. You know, what this woman said was weirder than that. She said, the Blessed Mother is calling you into her army. And I thought, Blessed Mother, Isis, Gaia, mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. And she says it's very powerful. The Protestants don't bless anything. This woman represents some female deity cult. I'm not interested. I just tune her out. And she's going on and on and on. She's talking to me, but I'm not listening to anything she's saying. And at my happy place, I'm thinking, how do they all find me? There must be a sign above my head that only crazy people can see. And it's a crazy come here. There's an arrow that points down to me because all the crazy people find me. And then I tune her back in at some point. And she says again, that it's very powerful. No, 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 no. She's challenging me. I'm not a wizard. Now, there might be between one and ten of us in the world. Usually it's between two and five, but at some point there could have been just one. Mm-hmm. Out of seven billion people, I'm the one high wizard. That's a power trip and a half. And she's trying to tell me that something is powerful. There's no power to this. There's no mystique to this. This can't touch me. This isn't going to do anything to me. So I stick my hand out. She's giddy now. She's, like, she's all excited. And my plan is to feel it, know that it has no power, toss it on my floor or slam it on my counter and tell her it's Your God can do nothing to me. And if she gets mad and gets her money back, I don't care. If she wants to get my boss's number, the regional vice president, to call the regional and complain. My boss is never going to believe that I insulted somebody to their face. She's just going to think this woman's having a bad day. No big deal. And I stick my hand out. She's happy. She drops it in my hand. And I clench my fist around this blessed miraculous metal. And when I clench my fist around it, all ready to toss it on the floor, slam it on my counter, my mall and my store completely disappeared. I'm standing in this darkened void, and it's me and this woman, Marianne Wickman, and she tells me about the magic spell I did last night, and that's of the devil. And I've split over 100 churches, and that's of the devil. And I've committed over 100 abortions, and that's of the devil. And she tells me about eight or nine other sins, and she ends everything with, and that's of the devil. And she says again, the Blessed Mother is calling you into her. And instantly, I knew that was the Mother of God. A very strange realization for a former Baptist. And we'd rather shoot ourselves in the face of a shotgun than say Mother of God. Mm-hmm. And when I thought Mother of God, Mary appeared. I was acutely aware of my 46 assisted abortions. And she smiled at me. It was a smile I knew I did not deserve. And she took me by the hand and she turned me around, led me to her son, Divine Mercy Jesus. But I didn't know what Divine Mercy was. I'm looking at Jesus. I've got these rays of light that are shooting under me and over me and around me and through me. And in that instant, I knew I did not sell my soul to the devil when I was 13. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I knew that all my Satanism, my magic, my occult, and my new age was false. I knew everything Catholic was truth. And the Blessed Mother told me that my job was to help her end abortion. 
and I open my hands. I'm back in my store, back in my mall. This woman's still talking. And she tells me about where she goes to Mass and that she is Father Joe Whalen's personal assistant in the St. Raphael Healing Oil Ministry. And that he's the busiest priest she knows. He doesn't even have time to talk to her. And she's the personal assistant. So while she's talking to me, her cell phone rings. She goes, oh, this is Father Joe. I got to take this. Yeah, go ahead and take that. So at that time, Father Joe was starting to go deaf. So he talked like everybody was going deaf. And she answers the phone. She's like, hello, Father Joe. What can I help you with? Can you hand the phone to the young man you're talking to? Certainly. So she hands me the phone. I'm shaking like Ozzy Osbourne. Like, hello? Welcome to the faith. Hand the phone back to Marianne. I hand the phone back to her. He hangs up on her. We get two more calls like that. Her daughter comes up to the camera and she says, can you bring this man one of each of everything? She comes back in with a paper grocery bag filled with stuff. And then I go home that night. And when I get there, I tell my wife, hey, honey, guess what? I'm Catholic now. And she was like, of all the things you could possibly be, why would you do that? But the very next day, I had gotten the address of where this woman goes to Mass. And I wanted to go. I've never been to a Catholic church before. On the outside. Never on the inside. So, my, me and my wife, we go. And we go inside. And at the consecration, I saw Jesus. And I was like, whoa, did you see that? She's like, what? I said, that man up there on the stage. She was that's the priest. I said, not, not him, the other guy. So I don't see anything. You don't see it because you're not Catholic. But I thought everybody in that room saw the same thing. I thought if you were Catholic, you saw Jesus up in front of everybody. You know, like, if, had I known that Jesus was legitimately in the Catholic Church when I was a kid, I'd have gone to the church and he couldn't have took me out. I mean, that was the most amazing thing in the world. Then I found out there was this place called Perpetual Adoration, where you could go and you could see Jesus anytime you wanted, 24 hours a day. And I was like, is there a sign-up sheet for that? Do I need to, like, put my name on a list? And, like, in a few years when my spot comes available, they call me and I have a certain amount of time I have to go. No, like, no, you just show up any time. I was like, there's no way. There's a line to get in to see Elvis, and he's been dead over 40 years. So I go. Shock number one, me and my wife are the only other car in the parking lot. Shock number two, there's no line to get in. Shock number three, we open the chapel door. It's me, my wife, some woman, and Jesus. And this woman looks up like a deer in the headlights. And she suddenly packs her stuff as fast as she can go. If this was an Olympic event, she got gold. And she said, you can't leave till someone else comes in. And bam, she's out the door. <laughs> and I thought, why would I leave? I'm in a room with Jesus. So that became my regular hangout. He's there anywhere from 70 minutes to 18 hours a day. It became like my favorite place to go. Now, that was in January of 08. I officially entered the church in May of 08. And I was with St. Raphael till 2010. 
And then I started All Saints Ministry. And I've been in that ministry now since around October 2010. And my curriculum vitae, which is my CV, is a resume for Catholic speakers. Uh, it has about 23 items per page. And it's currently in 16 pages. And that's talks and interviews. Like this one. Thanks for inviting me. I'm here to answer anything else you got. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I want to thank you for, like, agreeing to come on here. And because it is, SRA um, is so hard for people to wrap their minds around because they don't want to believe that there's such evil in the world. And I believe that's how they've kept it under, you know, like, keep doing it is because people don't want to believe it but there are survivors that are you know finally able to speak up and they're they're getting stronger but there's um there's psychiatrists around the united states and imagine around the world but i only know about the ones here that all their clients are sra survivors yeah i work with one in texas uh-huh. and i had to work with her Around, probably around 2013 or 14, because one of her clients dealt with something, and he didn't know what it was called, and he didn't know everything that happened to him. And so I had her describe it to me, and then I told her, we need to have this conversation when I'm not around anybody. And you need to clear a couple of hours off your day. And this is going to be rough for you to hear. So she did that. And the process that she got to hear about is called a soul shattering. And a soul shattering takes place with NyQuil and other stuff that will put you to sleep. But you're not allowed to sleep. And then your shun things some of those things are real and some of them are not but by the time you're seeing them you think they're all real and there's a lot of sexual abuse that happens but in a soul shattering your mind splits so now you've got a split personality mm-hmm. what we've been hearing from sra survivors is that they split them right and, and that's what happens is that event is called the soul shattering. And that's so that they can't control them? That's so that um, the person would have a handler and their handler knows exactly what to do to get them to do whatever they're supposed to do. Most SRA victims are there for sexual pleasure. Obviously not their own. Do you have another question? I know Gino probably has a question, but I, I have a. Oh, sorry, you have one. Go ahead, Sylvia. I got one. Well, I wanted one. to I, ask. I just have one from the chat. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Joyful June, good friend of the show, uh, says, "How did he get away from being a wizard from the sata- Satanic Coven?" But he, you kind of touched on that. Um, what you said that you know you went into kind of seclusion there for a little bit. What 
Right. When you did, I mean, did you like put in a resignation letter or do you just like walk away? <laughs> I, I had planned my escape for eight months. You know, I have a bank account that has $87 million in it. But none of that money is mine. I have a bunch of mansions all over the world that I stay in, but I don't own them. Mm -hmm. I mean, my true apartment, I lived in the ghetto of Tallahassee, Florida. I lived in an area called Frenchtown, you know, and Frenchtown is the worst of the worst. And it starts one block behind the governor's mansion. Hmm. And so I have my regular account, which usually has about 260 bucks in it. That's like a, you know, a good average. Um, I drive a lot of times I drive a Lamborghini Diablo. It's purple. It's deep purple. The color is actually evil angel. And but my real color, my real car was a Nissan Sentra, gray. <laughs> so I don't look like I'm any type of high wizard, you know. But when I'm living the life, when people see me, they see me walk out of my mansion in Calabasas and get in my Lamborghini and drive away. And I look like I'm somebody, you know, and that's not my real, you know, anything. So. I plotted my escape for eight months and I made a doctor's appointment. All the doctors that I go see, almost everybody I go see is a Satanist. And, you know, I have my real life and then I have my persona. So in my persona, I got a doctor's appointment with a Satanic doctor. And I set the appointment for the last appointment of the day. I took all my credit with me and I ripped them up along the way. And I had pilfered out. They watch my account and the fake account. So I only stole money really from my own account. Mm -hmm. And I stole out of it for, and it wasn't stealing because it's mine, mm -hmm. but they watch everything I do. So I take out 20 bucks here and 10 bucks there and bucks there. Like a dollar here, go to the grocery store and buy something and take out an extra five bucks. And just kept doing that until I had about $1,500. And then made the doctor's appointment and drove that way. But instead of getting off at the last exit, I kept going. I drove till I ran out of gas. And then I stopped, spent the night in my car. And the next day, I walked to the next town, which wasn't very far. And then I sold my car for scrap and bought a Greyhound bus ticket. And when I got out to Canada, they rejected me on the border and told me they could take me anywhere. So I did the, uh, I did, when I was a Protestant, we used to open up the Bible and just put our finger down. This is God will tell us today. You know, putting like Bible in lead. So I did that with a United States Atlas, put my finger down on the Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I went to Tulsa. I lived off the grid for a couple of years and then one year on the grid. And then, um, Tried to get, I bought a car. I tried to get into Canada again. And I got rejected at the border again. And that guy told me about a border crossing near Vermont where there's no border guard there. So I was trying to get there. And I had about two hours to go. And I was so sleepy, I was about to wreck the car. So I pulled over at a rest stop and I took a nap. Except when I woke up, it was the next day. And no big deal, just two hours away. So I drive, and as I'm crossing the border, I get pulled over by a border guard. 
and he searches my car inside now, top to bottom, telling me a story the whole time that he's been trying to get this job as a border guard for three years. And today is his very first day on the job. And I realize, had I done this yesterday, I'd be safely in Canada right now. But God's got a sense of humor, apparently. So I got rejected at the border. I drove to, to Burlington, Vermont. I had $18 in my pocket and half a tank of gas. That was my beginning story in Burlington, Vermont. You just heard my final story with the uh, miraculous medal. Good thing it wasn't Biden's America back then with the gas prices now. <laughs> it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made a very well, yeah, it's kind of funny. That, it's funny that I tried to get into Canada so many times. <laughs> and you think, they're like, am I thinking I'm escaping Satan? Because Satan's now currently, I think, running Canada. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> this is the question I had. Uh, tunnels. Other tunnels? Um, Did you see there are tunnels? tunnels all over the United States. There's a large number of them in Wisconsin and in Washington, D.C. But there's other places, too. And there's uh, some in Pennsylvania. Colorado. I believe there's some in Colorado as well. Uh, there's a large number of them under an airport in Colorado. Um, but this stuff is real and it allows you to traffic people without being seen. You know, for the, the people that wonder, they might be hearing this and thinking, well, is human trafficking really something? Look for an area where at least two interstates intersect. If there's more, then that's even better. And then call the local law enforcement of that town and ask them if there's a human trafficking problem. And if they're honest, they'll tell you absolutely yes. The more interstate you have, the more human trafficking you have. Yeah, I know Ohio is a big hub. Lots going on there. Um, I told, oh, sorry, go ahead. I had told um, somebody in an interview about knowing you know things to look out for for human trafficking or child prostitution or child pornography and this woman called in and she represented a group kind of like your group but um and also with missing and exploited children and she asked me a bunch of questions and i told her that some of the places that i went to would have a fence around the yard and a house that looks kind of run down. And you'll see a van pull up every once in a while. And they'll park really close to the house and the kids will run inside. Or they'll run outside but run into the van and the van drives away. And you'll see toys out in the yard that are old and dirty and haven't been played with in a long time. And you never see anybody outside. I mean, you see them get out and get in the van, get in the van, get back inside the house. Nobody ever plays in the yard. Nobody plays with those toys. 
And if you happen to see a kid in the yard, they're dead inside. Their eyes are just blank. They're just waiting for somebody to tell them what to do because they don't know. They wandered away from their handler and they're confused. And they need somebody to call them back into the house or back to the van. And so she thanked me and she hung up. And then it was a few months later, I got a call from that woman. And she said, I don't know if you remember me. We had this conversation in the middle of the interview. And you told me about this house and what to look for. She was, we listened to that. Our entire group listened to it. And somebody from our group said they have a house like that out in the country. And that is exactly like you described. So we went there and we did a lot of checking in on it and rented a place near there and started flying over it and sent drones. And apparently they got the police involved and the police actually did a raid on the house because they were given enough information Hmm. and they rescued something like 24 children. Is their van a specific color? Usually white. Hmm. And a lot of times it has windows that you can see in, but the kids are made to sit on the floor and not stand up. So if you look in the van, you can't see anybody unless you walk right up to it and look inside. You know, uh, you've mentioned handlers quite a bit, and we, we've talked about handlers on, on our shows also. Um, it seems like if you're anybody in Hollywood, you have a handler. Right. Are, are these, and I, again, another rhetorical question, I think, but uh, are these handlers handpicked by the elite Satanists, like for these, when they, when they make these people famous, they're, they kind of keep them in check, watch over them? become kind of like their overlords but you have a, a few tests as a handler you want to make sure they don't slip up and say the wrong thing if they do say the wrong thing you have a code word you say so that person knows that they have to clam up and not say anything else uh, but the handler also brings you your drugs and whatever your sin is whatever your set of choices they help you with that but their job is to keep you happy also to keep you in check so like my handler when I was high wizard my handler got me prostitutes and I usually stuffed with high end call girls but I had a certain taste in girls so I would get girls to sleep with and whatever my drug of choice was my favorite drug of choice was I like the candy flip so acid and uh, MDMA Uh, Lazarus James in the uh, chat says Portland is a hotbed for everything Zach has been talking about, including the Shanghai tunnels under Portland. Are you aware of those? Not by that name, but I knew there were tunnels. Mm-hmm. And and we know, I mean, the tunnels are everywhere. Uh, I mean, Utah. Utah is oh. another place we haven't talked with the Mormon. <laughs> boy, the, that's another oh, whole man. show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could, oh, jeez, you could go on forever with that. You know, we, we see this, it's it's the same circle of friends. You know, you find the Mormons, the Masons, all these occultic, 
type thing. You know, uh, even I know I've had personal friends that were Jehovah Witnesses and were abused. Uh, you know, it's for some reason it's it's the weakest among us that they they pick on. And um, I mean, I think you've touched on it through this whole show, Zach, and and really opened some eyes maybe to people that didn't understand the depth of this darkness. And it's well, the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jehovah's Witnesses wrote things into their bylaws mm -hmm. to protect the molester. Like if you're molested by a Jehovah's Witness, there has to be two witnesses to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What molester in their right mind is going to molest a kid in front of another kid? Because <laughs> just... now you've got two witnesses. Yeah. Now you can be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's all pre-planned and and structured so that you can get away with with these crimes we see it over and over again um you know one one other thing i just thought of uh zach there's lots of talk of portals and and it, i've heard this on the christian side i hear it on the you know satan side even atheists are talking about portals now for you know the aliens to come through and things like that in your right. in your years of doing that, was there any specific spots that you would particularly go to where it, it felt like um, maybe like a, a spiritual boost was possible in a certain area, like the like a portal would open for you and things would become mm -hmm. easier for you? Certain areas in California and in Mexico, and there's there's areas where if you do magic there, it's guaranteed to work. Even if you're not doing a hex, just a basic, simple magic spell, it's going to work if you do it there. And why do you suppose that is? What what What's so unique about those areas? Well, you know, there's certain areas of the world that are holy. They're holy sites. I would, I would imagine that Satan can see where those sites are and makes his own unholy sites. Okay, I, I could come up with questions all night long. This is the I promise this is the last one. So. <laughs> last one, I promise. Um, so you know, it's it, I think it's probably a very rare thing for someone even at at your level to actually uh, get to speak with with Lucifer, Satan himself. I would think that it's mostly demonic trickery that's convincing people they're talking to you know the the uh, ultimate angel that fell. But have, do you believe in your personal life and, and maybe the, the people you were hanging out with that they actually were talking to him or were they just talking to demonic powers? Um, in my coven, the second one, our CEO would get possessed by Satan himself. And then he would write things down and that would give our coven the direction they have to go in. It tells them who they have to attack, what acts they want done. And this would happen every month. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy named Richard that was a human trafficker. And he's the one that did the Lolita Boys. But he also did a lot in child pornography and child prostitution. And he asked me to do a magic spell for him one time. He just came in, met with me for a minute, and walked out the door. And then I went to the CEO named Paul, and I said, um, Richard asked for me to do a magic spell for him, but I don't want to 
want to. And I'm not going to do it. And he says, why not? And I said, because, like, just now, he was just in my office. And I feel like I need a shower hmm. in bleach. I, I, can't, I can't be around him any length of time. I feel dirty afterwards. And um, our CEO told me that he doesn't like being around him because, and I quote, he gives me the willies. Hmm. Now, keep in mind that Paul gets possessed by Satan himself. And Richard gives him the willies. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Right. So I didn't end up doing his spell. And so there was one day that Paul got possessed by Satan and was taking a bunch of notes, writing down all this stuff. He was writing, he's writing. I didn't know Paul to be ambidextrous, but he had both hands out, two pads, and he's writing stuff down with both hands at the same time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's different. And I was I was impressed. I was like, well, I know anybody could do this. Hmm. And I'm reading one list, and then I'm looking, reading the other, you know, just in case he's writing gibberish and scribbles down in one, and actual writing in the other. But no, he's writing full sentences on both lists. And then Satan laments and hopes that people never find out that one of the major reasons he is so keen on abortion is that babies make the best prayer warriors because they're pure. They haven't sinned yet. And all the children have an angel in heaven that behold the face of God. So if you pray to your guardian angel to pray to that baby's guardian and ask the baby to pray, the baby will. So that one in my book. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the greatest secret no one knows is that these little babies that are in the womb can act as prayer warriors. And that's why Satan wants them all dead. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Well, Zach, um, uh, guys, uh, I, the whole show at the bottom here, I've had a, uh, I've had Zach's social media scrolling here. His website is uh, allsaintsministry.org. You can email him at mysticforgod at yahoo.com, and he's also available on Facebook. Uh, you can just look up Zachary King there. Um, any other social media for you, Zach? Yeah, these people can call me if they need help. Oh, okay. Uh, the phone number that's on my website rings to this phone that I'm talking on. Great. It's uh, 802-578-6554. Excellent. I am here to help. Great. Um, I appreciate that because for SRA victims or survivors, um, survivors, um, you know, that's that's awesome. Well, you know, I got, before I was in my own ministry, I remember listening to somebody's CDs or DVDs, and you have questions for them, and there's no way to get a hold of them. Right. Mm, yeah. So I started putting out my own stuff, and I included every way there was to contact me. You know, even on my YouTube channel, I give out my phone number and my 
email address and you know let people know I'm this easy to get a hold of. And he was. I, I called his number and he answered. I was not expecting him to answer. I was expecting <laughs> to answer to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you you are you have been very uh, you you respond very quickly and I appreciate that. And I'm sure you get a lot of calls. Well, <laughs> especially see, yeah. Sylvia, when you're not involved with satanic stuff anymore, you don't need handlers. So he just answers his own phone. So, you know, <laughs> I get, I get probably a hundred emails a day. Oh my gosh. Uh, I bet. I <laughs> and mean... then we answer, we answer emails Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And then I get phone calls pretty much every day. And the only day I don't generally like to take them is Sunday, but there are some people that can only call me on Sunday mm-hmm. and that's okay. Well, I appreciate you being so, uh, yeah, so willing to talk because this is, I mean, we really need to be there and open people's eyes to this. Um, I do have an SRA survivor coming on, I think, next week, um, which is one of the reasons that, not ne- not next week, because next week is Thanksgiving, right? But, um, yeah, in December, you know, um, so we will have her on as well. So I did want um, the audience to hear that this is real. Like we we need to we need to do something, and that um, we're not just fighting politics. We're we're fighting a spiritual battle. It's not just um, my body, my choice, or it's deeper right. than that. You know, there's um, I tell them in my book. I say that the name of my book is abortion sacrifice it's uh, and I, I teach people how to shut down an abortion clinic uh, our ministry has shut down 49 so far around the world and i teach you that abortion is spiritual warfare if it wasn't spiritual warfare then sending a million people to march every year in washington would have shut something down by now but it, but it doesn't the proof that it's spiritual warfare is when we go Last time I went, there was 600,000 people marching. And do you know how many people were marching on the other side? People that wanted it kept legal. 30. That's not 30,000. That was 30. Wow. Satan doesn't have to send anybody. It's already legal. Hmm. You know, the, um, the bill that just passed in Michigan. Yeah. The proposal. The, the proposal three, mm-hmm. where it actually it passed. So now because of that, any child of any age can get an abortion mm-hmm. and they don't have to give their parents permission or even tell their parents. Yep. And any child of any age can get transgendered medicine and surgery. And not only can they not tell their parents and not give their parents permission, but their parent cannot stop it. And um, there, where it's heading, and, and actually I think it, it's probably already here, um, in California they have a law that um, if you want to prevent your own child from getting hormone blockers or surgery, you know, to castrate them or mutilate them, however they want to do, uh, the state has the right now to take your, your child from you, and you have no say. That's the law. And that's, and that's going to be here in Michigan. Which goes back to what we're fighting, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Didn't something happen in Georgia about abortion? 
some of these things are like a pedophile's wet dream. Oh, oh yeah. Like, like, what, what, you know, it's like, what, what can I, I can have sex with this child and get her pregnant and take her in to get an abortion yep. and her parents never have to know about me. Yeah, the insane have definitely taken over the asylum. It's 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 just crazy right. out there. Um, you know, I want to before we close up, I just want to read Ephesians uh, six twelve, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Uh, that's the uh, English Standard Version. There, you know, obviously, you know, there's many versions, but I think that one speaks volumes. I mean, everything you spoke about tonight, Zach was a spiritual aspect that we need to wake up to. I, especially, I, you know, whatever denomination you belong to, if you're not recognizing that we're in this spiritual battle, I, I think you fell asleep at the wheel. Like we, we really, really have to understand what we're up against. And, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's, that's my only defense against any of this stuff and same with my family. And Amen. You know, yeah. And so, that is our defense, and that's all you need in this world to stand up against this. Because you, if you have God on your side, you win. It's that simple. And Zach, I think you know that now. <laughs> you know, coming from the other right. side right. into the light. Yeah. Oh wait, I have one last question. One last question. Um, did you see the Pope at the Bohemian Grove? Hmm. No. I'm surprised. That would cause quite. I think that would cause quite the stir. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that would <laughs> you know i did we do have one more thing we need to ask because megan um megan had sent that uh, text yes she did i'll let <laughs> um, gino ask the yeah, question I'll, so and, and you don't you can answer this or you know these obviously zach it's up to you um have you ever seen john walsh from america's most wanted at any of these um gatherings bohemian grove um any other thing I have seen him live at events, but I don't remember where. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't pay attention. I mean, I knew who he was, but I wasn't paying attention to him. Okay. Sorry. Well, that's. Is there that could you send me um, like a link for my phone or something so I could watch, listen to uh, um, something about him? Is, can I text to this number? Yes. Okay, then I'll send you this. I'll send you um, this, and then I'll send you some of our so you can watch and see who we are. Okay. We're we're brand new. We just started the nonprofit. So when I was a case manager, I used to say that I was gonna I was gonna change the foster system, and um, it doesn't want to be changed. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And uh, my supervisors and directors was like, "Well, if you want to change it, you take it to Congress." So. Um, this is our start of changing the system, uh, but uh, it, it, when I was in the, the foster system, I was constantly, constantly, you know, beat up because I was, I mean, I just was not okay with what was going on in the system, and um, I know I haven't talked to you much about what I experienced, but we did have goals. Uh, of maintaining kids in the system, and and that really bothered me. Um, if you start seeing a change or wondering, are you making a difference? When you start getting death threats, 
you're making a change. <laughs> well, I haven't gotten those yet, so I'm not making a change yet. <laughs> I got to step it up a little bit. <laughs> I haven't gotten any. And remember, remember that no Satanist can kill you without God's permission. Oh, yes. I I definitely believe I am protected by God. Um, I believe that with my whole heart. And um, But this isn't a fight that I chose to be in. This was um, something that God chose me for. So I don't have, I don't have an option. Yeah, you've been <laughs> called. Like, yeah, it's kind of like you do it. You know, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. Many are called, um, few are chosen. And yeah. you know, if you're if if you're in this and you're in it to win it, you understand the battle we're up against. We under, you understand the threat. You understand that it's this is God. He, I, I just feel like we are at a, a very unique time in history. In all the eons of time, we're at this moment where things can I I believe can change. I believe it can end, and uh, and that's not that's. That's hard to imagine because, you know, Zach, and I know you know this, all you have to do is go through the history of the world, and it's always babies being sacrificed, whether it's Baal, Moloch, and whatever you want to call it. It's the same same uh, system, same beast that they're being sacrificed to. It's just right. you know, this is under the, the guise of, you know, law, <laughs> law and order. We are, all, we are all alive at this time because this is how God planned it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you were alive in the perfect time for you to be alive. You know, I think everybody that listens to this show, you know, whether it's a hundred or a hundred thousand, mm -hmm. to know that that you're here because God wanted you to be here now. You know, you need to think of what that means to you and make a difference. Yes. Right. Amen oh. to that. So true. Man. Well, well, we could talk to you all night, yeah. but Zach, we'll yeah. let you get <laughs> He's, we, we form out, so <laughs> get some rest, my friend. <laughs> we are so, yes. so happy and thankful that you came on. Thank you for your time. I know you're, you're a busy guy and got a lot going on, but we're, you know, God bless your ministry. Uh, we'll be praying for you and we're going to be praying for victory. And anytime you want to come back on, you're more than welcome to come back on, um, if you don't want to come back on, we understand. It was my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I had a great time. Oh, we appreciate it. It was so much information. I'm going to have to go back and watch this two or three times. Right. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah, man. Please, give, give me the link when, when, whenever it's done. Give Absolutely. Me the link. Absolutely. Yeah, I can send it to you now. It may not. Up, will it upload now? And uh, it's going to take a couple, three hours. Yeah, Rumbles. It's it, You know, back in the YouTube days before they, they canceled me twice, um, <laughs> That was nice and easy. Everybody knows how to use YouTube, and it was it uploaded pretty quickly. Right. And yeah, but I've been uh, uh, nuked twice on there, so I've lost all my subscribers and everything. So it was like you know we're starting all over all the time. And um, I anybody mm -hmm. out there, if you can push this out there and hit the you know hit the red pill on Foxhole, uh, hit the Rumble uh, ah. button over there on on Rumble, or or you know share this on Twitter or you know wherever you're at, we would definitely appreciate that, guys. Thanks. Do you mind if I post this on my YouTube channel? Oh, oh yeah, no, definitely. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We would love would that. Would you, when it's ready, could you send me a link in my, on my phone, and then could you also send me a link to my email? Yes. And can, my secretary can put it on my YouTube channel. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank um, you. 
Yeah, oh, uh, guys over there in Foxhole, thank you guys so much for all the uh, gold pills tonight. Appreciate that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and release the scratching for you guys. Okay, scratching's released. Get yourself some gold pills, guys. Um, I know you're all thinking, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. when, when, when chatters are watching the show, Zach, uh, they can donate. They call them gold pills on the Foxhole here. And that, you know, I've never really cashed them in. I just kind of give them to other content creators on the channels, and it helps them maybe they if they're doing it full-time as their, uh, their work. But uh, I actually have another job, so I don't need to cash them in. I just like giving them away. So... Uh, but I do appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for that. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, check out Zach's uh, uh, work. Go to his website for sure. Check that out. Um, is your Facebook page, I'm guessing it's a um, what, a public profile page? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not just a personal. Okay, so yeah, you guys can go check him out. Uh, look at his work there. And, and like you said on YouTube, there, there's tons of videos with him on, on YouTube doing interviews, so you can get lots of good information there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Zach, thank my friend, so thank you so much. Uh, God bless you, sir. Uh, we're going to let you hang up thank and you, I'm too. close out the show with the girls here in a second. You take care. All right. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, have a good night. You, you too. too. You too. Bye. Wow. <laughs> I don't even, I'm almost speechless. <laughs> that was nice. a lot of stuff. Like, I feel like I need a process. <laughs> mm -hmm. He, uh, I, he just has a, he's a great storyteller too. You know, mm -hmm. he's just like, cause some people, you know, you listen to him and it, it can get boring, but with him, you feel like you could just listen like all day long. Mm -hmm. Like he's just a very good detailed, it, it's detailed, but it's not overly detailed where it gets boring. You know, it's like he, he gets mm -hmm. to the points pretty quick and, and, uh, I mean, there's a lot more to his story guys. If you go on YouTube, watch some other videos. I mean, he's got all kinds of different information out there. Uh, but, and you know, I mean, as a, he's a Catholic, obviously I'm a Protestant, I'd be considered a Protestant evangelical. Um, but you know, aside from that, he believes Jesus Christ is Lord and savior. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and savior. The girls believe Jesus Christ is Lord and savior. Yes. That that's what gets us to heaven. There's no other way to heaven, but through him. And, you know, we all understand that here and most that are watching. So, um, you know, but but I think the inside baseball of understanding how the satanic realm works, that's what I've, you know, when I have my other show with the deliverance minister, Miko, on, um, you know, she has another aspect of it. If, and it's important to get all these different angles of what the devil does and how he works in the demonic mm -hmm. realm, because that's what we're up against every day, whether it's this stuff or in your regular life, you're up against it if you're a Christian. And you right. need to, your eyes need to be open to that to understand how to defeat that and how to walk in victory in Jesus Christ. Uh, right. Are you choosing abortion? Or are you choosing, oh, let's, you know, like, mm -hmm. which which way are you going when you hear my body, my choice and all of this? Because he really did, like, I love that he confirmed so much for me. Like, even though I've witnessed and even for KK, I think, she, you know, she's witnessed a lot, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like he confirmed a lot of stuff with the foster system. He definitely, Do you feel like that, KK? Oh, oh, no, he did. I felt like he checked a lot of boxes, like that yeah. confirmed stuff for us, yeah. The John W. thing at the end there, that's a little... Right. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. I was like, well, that's our answer mm -hmm. right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and he did mention National Center a couple times, too. So, you know, it's... It's all the things we've been talking about and, and it's not, it's just not rumors. I mean, this is actually, we have facts. Mike, 
Mike, the Hollywood Reporter, guys, if you want to go over to, um, was it on Brighteon today? Yeah, on Brighteon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to yeah. Ann, Ann Vandersteel's channel. He was on Ann Vandersteel today and did a little expose on some of this stuff too. So um, I don't know. I just feel like we're at the tip tip of the iceberg, but we're we're working our way down and we're going to, we're going to weed it yep. out. So yep. KK, um, I want you to Google the old fashioned TV. So you know what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> And it was really heavy. It, like uh, he didn't talk about how heavy it was. Oh my gosh! Like yeah. it took like ten ten people. Oh my gosh, they were huge. <laughs> and they had a dial on it. You had to turn a dial to turn the channels. Like there was no the the remotes came out like I don't know probably in the late seventies. I remember the first remote. And if you had one of those, like you were like rich or something. Like <laughs> yeah. Like, and wherever oh, the TV it. landed, that's where it stayed. You did not move the TV. <laughs> could not move the tv right <laughs> i heard about it on grown-ups yeah, grown, movie. yeah. yeah that's yeah, <laughs> that grown that that's true it isn't there i remember that that's yeah. funny oh well girls another good show sylvia man yes. i don't know i don't it's just I, every time i think you can't outdo yourself you outdo yourself so <laughs> that's another i mean we've I, I stellar lineups i mean the last I mean, the last like 10 shows i i like i i actually was watching the one with uh pam again the other night because it was so good she has so oh. much information and when you're doing it you know when you're hosting it you kind sometimes you miss things because you're distracted with you know i'm looking at the chat i'm doing other things mm-hmm. making sure the, the you know the video's good you know and you're just kind of for you go back you're like oh i missed that part wow that was really good you know she she dropped a bomb there um, and it's the same thing with all these. When I go back, I'm just like, wow, we have some really good people that are in this that are out to win. You know, they're not just yes, kicking back, yes. say, talking. Well, I, I've got to line up all the way up until February, and I'm still <laughs> supposed to be talking to people tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we're supposed to have, I mean, I, I told you I have that uh, film producer coming on, Adelike. Um, he's, he made a trafficking film uh Oh, what's it called? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot what it's called. When is he going to be on? Uh, he couldn't do it till after the, the new year. So it's going to so be... So is he coming on your Tuesday show? Is that what he's... He, well, he I mean, I, I, I could do it... T- I Actually, you know what? I probably would do the Tuesday. Since you have such a good lineup here, we'll do that. We'll put him on Tuesday with Megan. Because um, she. I know she really wanted to talk to him. So, yeah, we could do oh, that. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, girls, good show. Um, how long did we go tonight? I, I, my screen. It was, uh, I want to say was it's 10, 14. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, love you guys. Uh, love you girls. Great job. And, uh, God bless y'all. And we will see, actually, I will be, uh, what is today? Today's Thursday, no blender tonight. And this Sunday, our new, the new, uh, time is 8 PM on Sunday evenings following joyful June show. Uh, we'll let her finish up. So it could be anywhere from eight to eight fifteen, depending on how many videos she wants to play over there. <laughs> My sister. All right. Um, so I will, we, me and Michael CPN will be live Sunday night sometime around 8 PM. If you guys want to watch us here on my channel. Uh, anyway, have a great night. God bless y'all. Take care and be safe, everybody.